All right, I am Haggai Davis III, along with Haggai Davis II, and we'd like to welcome you to Tech Gumbo. Our show is a conversation about the past, present, and future of all things technology that we like to keep topical, interesting, and digestible. We want to thank our sponsor, Cardinal Capital, for making this possible. Cardinal Capital connects businesses to capital. It doesn't matter what business that you are in, Cardinal Capital has the resources all across the United States that are willing to help fund organizations of all sizes, life cycles, categories, and locations. Cardinal Capital works with you to craft the best commercial finance package for you to achieve your business goals. Whether you're looking to refinance current debt because of the new government programs and favorable interest rates, or finance new equipment, or maybe you're trying to acquire another business entirely, Cardinal Capital has the resources to make it happen. When lenders cannot do a loan, they seek out Cardinal Capital to help. The Cardinal Capital guys are easy to work with and fun to be around. Contact them today at 225-308-3700 or send them an email at info at cardinalcap.net and they'll be happy to help you with your commercial finance needs. So each week we take a listener question about a topic that they were interested in and they sent it to us either by visiting our website techgumbo.net or they sent us a text to 225-255-0431. And this week's question is, What's going on with Elon Musk and Twitter? So this is a story which I remember whenever I first saw it break, I sent it to you at that point in time and said, hey, this is something for us to watch out for because it's it's going to show up on Tech Gumbo. And we took last week off. And so you know the story had time to develop a little bit here. The longest sort of it is that Elon Musk ended up with 9% of Twitter and he was going to join the board of Twitter, but then for some strange reason, decided to not join the board of Twitter anymore, but still retain his 9% share of the company. Yes, as the single largest owner of the shares of Twitter, as a board member, he couldn't do all of the tweets that he enjoys doing. So he very graciously said, Thank you, but no thank you. I'll turn down that seat on the board so I can still send my tweets. He got in a lot of trouble over the past couple of years with the SEC for tweeting dumb things about Tesla. And he was starting to get in trouble with them and had to rearrange some things and adjust his habits. And so he chose to continue to be an idiot on Twitter. Uh, which I think, honestly, is the best representation of the platform. If he would have decided to be more responsible with what he sent, he wouldn't be living the true spirit of the bluebird. I love the fact that he got mad at Twitter. He didn't sit around waiting for the government to force Twitter to make changes one way or another. He just said, screw it. I'm going to drop $3 billion and buy a big chunk of it, and I'm going to force change from the inside. That's interesting that this is possible that what is essentially become an institution in modern american society is up for sale for someone who has the money that musk does he has been critical in the past of uh, some of twitter's policies regarding censorship and speech and things like that and so the fact that he can just buy his way in and we'll see if he forces changes or not i am we're not gonna put words in his mouth, put tweets in his hand. But my guess is that he didn't drop $3 billion to put it on his Twitter profile. Yeah, he's not trying to build a resume here. He's he's going to make some changes. 
have the popcorn ready, sit back and watch the fireworks happen because there's some fun things going to come out of Twitter here in the not too distant future. The only real question for me is, is it large enough for us to tell uh, this is a Musk thing or does it fall with inside the scope of what Twitter was in the past? So where it's OK, this is a reasonable change. And that'll be really interesting to see is that, OK, do people become unhappy? Do they say, I, I don't like this new direction? Something here is wrong. Or do they say, eh, this is mostly the same. I, I don't hate it. I'm going to continue on keeping on. And considering who he is and what his track record is, I doubt he stays below radar. I'm quite certain Mr. Musk is going to let us all know the things he wants done, probably over Twitter. And, and I would also not be surprised if it comes to a fiery conclusion and he sells, sells a large portion of his stock and says, these are the things that I wanted. They didn't let me do this. I'm therefore I'm mad and I'm selling off. That seems like a very possible conclusion to this whole saga. Well, and considering that he had talked about starting his own social media platform and realized it was probably going to be a lot of work, probably not worth it, more of a pain in the ass than, than, than was necessary. So the easier thing to do with $3 billion is just to go buy a big chunk of Twitter instead of trying to create a whole brand new platform. Former tre- President Trump is finding out what that new platform building is, looks like. Turns out that you kind of have to hit a critical mass for a social media platform to stick. And doing that inorganically makes it even less likely to stick. And so, yeah, he could have either spent $3 billion and tried to build one from the ground up. And maybe a year from now, two years from now, it finally launches. Or he could have, over the course of about two months, bought 10% of Twitter and ended up in pretty much the same place. And he definitely picked the path of least resistance here. And now Musk has even offered to buy all of Twitter. This is pretty ridiculous that he's offering $45 billion. You know, whenever we did the math, we said, all right, he wanted 3% and that was $9 billion. I was like, all right, that's about $35 billion was the current valuation. So he's offering an additional $10 billion over the top. This man really wants Twitter. And to take it private. At this point, you have to assume that he's going to be making changes. And you really have to wonder then, what are those changes going to be? What are their impacts going to be? And what will Twitter look like going forward? That is going to be such an interesting question. And we will keep an eye on it and let you know. So we want to thank the listener for sending us that question. Yes, we will be sending out the Tech Gumbo mug. It's a big, beautiful mug. If you want to go to our website, techgumbo.net, and see a picture of that mug. And if you want to send us a question, we'd be thrilled to give you an answer. If we use your question for the question of the week, we will send you a mug for free. Moving along, birthday's coming soon. And we decided, hey, let's look at some things that technology can do for for mother earth yeah we've been a little down on technology in the past couple episodes talking about trends that we're unhappy about so we said earth is coming up let's talk about some trends that we are happy about the first thing is don't use paper quit printing everything out we don't need to print more paper use your electronic 
storage. Use your cloud storage. You get your OneDrive going, your Google Docs, any one of those kinds of platforms, Dropbox, something like that. Store it there, scan it and store it. I think this is, is probably something that applies more to your generation than my generation. I don't have like notebooks, physical notebooks. Everything that I have is digital. And so I really don't interact a lot with paper. I don't I don't get mail addressed directly to me other than just spam mail. But yeah, you know, all, all the places wherever you look and say, could this have been an email as opposed to a physical document? Please do not print out an email and post it to a board somewhere. There are much better ways of doing that. Another thing is do the remote thing. Don't get in your car and drive across town when you can have a video conference. And yes, Face-to-face is always best. If it's just going to be a quick five-minute conversation, do you need to hop on a plane and fly across the country for that meeting? That could be done over Teams or a Zoom or or a WebEx or whatever platform you want to use? Yeah, I think that's a great point is obviously there are some meetings that still need to be in person. That face-to-face interaction is really important whenever you're building relationships and and maintaining relationships but we no longer need that assumption that every meeting has to be in person and sometimes it's it's easier to do everything from your office and there in their office this can really simplify a lot of things and just cutting down those trips that adds up it also helps if you've got multiple people involved in the meeting that are in multiple locations Now you don't have to factor in travel time to get everybody's calendar synced up. You just have to find the exact moment that they can click on a link and join the meeting. Absolutely. If you had an office in Lafayette and in New Orleans and in Baton Rouge, you don't have that hour in either direction. Another thing you want to do is turn off the lights, but you don't have to worry about just flipping that switch. You can get the automated sensors that... It looks for motion. Anybody walks into a room, the lights go on automatically. And after five or 10 minutes of inactivity, it turns the lights out automatically. This was something that my company had. It also was attached to a time of day. And so, you know, it wouldn't turn off at noon, even if it didn't detect any motion on a weekday. But there were one or two times whenever I was there until a little bit later, 7.30, 8 o'clock. If I was just sitting there at my desk typing away, but not really moving it would turn off on me and I had to get up and, and wave around a little bit to reactivate it and turn it back on. But yeah, that way you're not dependent upon someone remembering every day to turn all the lights off all the way around. It's a pretty simple system. It's non-invasive and it can start to add up to save things over time. And then go solar when you can use that big free ball of energy that's 93 million miles away that kind of keeps us all warm and in the light shall we say yeah solar is something which is growing it is becoming cheaper and i I think this is absolutely the future it's how can we put solar panels in places have them be discreet have them not interfere with other aspects that is such a booming industry and it's only become more and more prevalent whatever you can do to get free power this the sun will always be the sun it'll always be there especially in the the warmer brighter parts of the country might as well do something with that absolutely especially whenever you talk about energy independence the idea that if we start to convert to solar energy 
and we no longer are relying on oil, that means we're no longer relying on Russian oil. We're no longer relying on Saudi Arabian oil. We're no longer relying on South American oil. And so we just aren't dependent upon other countries and their decisions in order to be stable. The sun is always going to be the sun. And so this, the wind energy, the solar energy allows us to just be much more secure in that aspect and it's cheaper to produce. And so there are a lot of incentives other than just to, to hug Mother Earth. There are a lot of very rational, very cold calculating incentives which also point in that direction. And, and by no means is oil going away. There will still be uses for oil 100 years from now. So it's how can we use it better? How can we make more efficient use of gasoline and, and the products that, that oil creates that does not create problems for the earth? Those are technologies that, that people are developing all over the world, trying to find new and better ways. And, and a lot of that is trying to take CO2 emissions and do different things with that carbon. There's so many things that already exist that we consider waste products, and, and one of them is CO2. And so here's a, an instance of a company in New York City that's trying to turn CO2 into vodka. And that's just great. It's not just that the, the carbon sequestration companies who are trying to inject carbon into salt mines and things in the ground. Okay, that's fine. That's good. But all you're doing is just transferring it from the air to under the underground. Let's do something creative with it. Make it fun where, you know, hey, we're going to create cocktails out of out of CO2. Now you've got it interesting. Now it's like, hey, I'd be willing to buy a bottle of that. Let's try it. The, whenever you sequester the carbon, then you're not profiting off of it. There's You're only just putting it in the ground. Whereas if you can take it and turn it into something and sell it, now all of a sudden you're creating a business model for it and you're going to attract investors who are going to want to push and develop this technology. And you're going to attract yahoos like us who are like, yeah, I'd get drunk to save the planet. <laughs> I could do that. Yes, we're South Louisiana. We do enjoy a, a good party. You know, the other things you can do, certainly clothing, which is a really important industry, obviously. If you start using CO2 to make different types of synthetic clothing, you can do a lot more with it. And it's not just oil-based polyester now. Now it's carbon-based polyester coming out of the sky. And we're seeing similar things in carbon into food that you can start to create fertilizers directly from the carbon capture. You can start to create shampoos out of this carbon capture people are really looking for new ways to capture this excess carbon that's in the atmosphere and then turn it into something useful so it doesn't just exist as this pollutant but now it's the input into a new system and a, a new jet fuel that could be created out of this carbon dioxide emissions is a really interesting way because right now Airplanes are just, they're gas hogs, and they just spew tons and tons and tons of CO2 every year. And it's about 2.5% of global greenhouse emissions are from air travel, commercial air travel. 
And so if you can do something different with that, now you really got a big change coming and some of the airlines are even looking at alternatives. That's exactly right. You have Delta is partnering with Airbus. Airbus is unveiling a concept which could burn liquid hydrogen. The And the, one of the problems, though, is that just because you can make the engine work, you have the whole supply chain. You have to be able to get the fuel produced. You have to be able to get it in the quantities to the airports. And you have this large supply chain infrastructure that needs to be updated. And it's one of the problems that we also see with electric vehicles. That's one of the problems that my associates do research on is how do we get electric vehicle charging stations? We have the gasoline and the gas station infrastructure very well developed, but now that we're trying to switch to this electric vehicle, how do you make sure you have enough power coming in, that you're talking to your local power company, that you are thinking about, okay, if I, whenever I'm making my, my trips, how do I think about how long it's going to take to charge? These are all the, the new types of problems that we have, the, you know, the brightest minds out there working on because this is something that's important. The other thing is, back to the airplanes, now you're changing out the engines on the airplanes. Not just all the supply chains, but now you're changing, making major changes to the airplane. And, and airlines don't like that. They're very slow to make changes because they've invested millions and millions of dollars buying these planes. And so now you're going to tell them, oh, by the way, you're going to spend millions and millions of dollars more to change out your engines, but it'll be good for the planet. Well, this this is a change that the, the airline companies and the airplane makers are leading themselves. This is a, in a, an initiative from Delta and Airbus. But another one of the reasons why they are hesitant to make these changes is reliability. Airplanes need to be very safe, very reliable, very stable. And we know exactly how the current engine works. They will spin exactly how we tell them to, and they won't break. And that's super important. And to make this change, you have to be as certain that the new engine will be as safe as the old engine. And that just takes a while to get to that level. And not just that it will work as well, but it will go as far. Because the current engine, you can fly halfway around the world. Well, can you do that with the new stuff? We've had 70 years of engineers optimizing the current airplane engine, and it works pretty well. We just have to change it. And that's going to take time. It's going to take effort. But there are people working on it. We do want to close out by complimenting Microsoft because their their data centers create a lot of heat and Microsoft is allowing that heat to to actually heat a lot of homes in Finland. This is pretty cool. Data centers, you know, you're storing a lot of things there. The computers naturally get hot. Most of the time that heat just kind of escapes as lost energy. But what they're doing is they have cold water pipes that encircle the computers and then you're using that to heat the pipes, and then you're sending that out into the local town nearby. Finland already has a lot of geothermal energy, and so you are tapping into this pre-built system and augmenting it, and this is a fantastic combination of Microsoft wasn't doing anything with the energy, it was just lost, and now all of a sudden 
they're getting some value out of it. So good for Microsoft and enjoy Earth Day, everybody. And we want to thank General Informatics for sponsoring our show. General Informatics is an information technology firm with a mission. And that mission is to make our clients even more successful through the best use of technology. Based in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, General Informatics is a premier IT managed services provider delivering exceptional managed IT solutions to a diverse base of customers from Texas to the Carolinas. From the beginning, we have maintained our commitment to meeting the growing needs of our clients through the continuous use of innovation. With over 20 years of experience and a team of 120 plus employees, including technicians, engineers, programmers, and designers, GI has evolved to become the leading IT partner of businesses, schools, and government agencies. Our managed services teams can run your digital infrastructure or support your team on an on-demand basis, letting you focus on your business's strength. This has become a proven formula, so proven that 98% of our clients continue to do business with us year after year. Whether you need new IT services, new technology, or you just have a question, visit us on the web at geninf.com. And if you enjoyed our show today, we're here on Talk 107.3 FM every Saturday at 4, and the show will rerun Sunday at 4. If you missed any part of our show or you would like to hear any of the previous episodes, check out our podcast, which is available on most every platform, including Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, TuneIn, Stitcher, Podcast Attic, Overcast, Player FM, and more. And when you're there... Be sure to subscribe so you'll be notified every time a new episode is posted. If you like our show, if you have some suggestions or want to submit a question, let us know by visiting our website, techgumbo.net, or send us a text, 225-255-0431. Thank you for listening to Tech Gumbo.